0: Good morning, family. What a privilege yet again to stand before you as we open the Word of God. We um, are continuing with our Rooted Series. Just wanted to take a a, a quick measure, um, just by show of hands, who of you have read the book of, of Revelations? Read the book of Revelations. That's awesome because we're not doing Revelations today. Before I tell you what we're doing, uh, let me just tell you uh, about this, um, this, this slide that you see up here. On the 7th and the 8th, uh, you want to take note of this if you are planning uh, to have uh, your child dedicated uh, this is the ch- the, the pre dedication course that is a requirement for you as a parent and uh, 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 your support structure to attend. So, so if you have uh, uh, friends, aunts, uh, grannies, whoever would be involved in the raising of the child, please take note of uh, this this time and date, and please uh, make sure to sign up and to attend uh, so that you can have you can participate in the baby dedication. Awesome. So not doing Revelation today. Um, you know, Revelations is, is, it can be scary, can be amazing. It's full of dragons. It's, you know, balls of plagues, suns and stars plummeting, all the rest. You cannot hope to appropriate Revelations well, uh, and you cannot hope to understand it well without doing what we're doing today. Uh, and what we're doing today is we are establishing our foundations. Now, If in life you face certain uh, situations that cause you to react in ways that are not biblical, uh, that that cause you to to retract uh, to sin uh, or to lose your faith, to withdraw from God, all of these things are cracks that come into the wall of your building that are there to show you that your your, your foundations uh, need to be revisited. A good way of responding when you see these structural cracks coming into your life is to say, thank you, Lord, for exposing these areas of my life now so that I have the opportunity to go in to fix these areas and to revisit my foundations and to ensure that I am structurally sound. Because this storm only produced a crack. There may have been another storm that would have flattened me completely. So this is a very, very important uh, series uh, that we are embarking on. I want to ask you a question. It's what we're looking into today, is the, issues, the topic of, of Lordship and Grace. What would make it absolutely easy for you to obey God? Absolutely easy, no questions asked, no second, no, no confirmation required, no third and fourth witness, no prophecy, nothing. You said, off I go, Lord. What would make it absolutely easy for you to uh, to obey? In fact, what I want you to do is just to take literally a minute and to share, even if it's just one of those things with the person sitting next to you. If only I could uh, draw closer to each of your conversations and just glean a little bit about some of the things that you're sharing, but we wouldn't have time for it this morning. Um, I I thought through this, uh, this, this question myself. I asked a few people, uh, this, this week and last week as we're leading up to this sermon. And so I just want to pop up some things that, uh, that came up um, as I was thinking and as I was, in, I was in, in conversation. So if I was in control, it would make it really easy for me to obey. You know, So if I had the remote control, I'm leading from behind, yes, Lord, I agree with that decision, I, I, would, I, would, I would easily obey. If I saw the reasoning, so if, if, there's, if I could see the method in the madness... Uh, If I could see the finished work, if I could take a step back and see the big picture, this would make it really easy uh, for me to to obey. And a, a personal favorite of mine, if I was completely convinced that the one in charge had my best interest at heart and that I could do no better if I was in charge. If I could be convinced of this, then it would be very easy to obey. And also, if I could see a positive track record. Were any of the things that you guys discussed reflected in, in, some, in some of these, um, these responses? As were mine. And, 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 and I, I hope that you guys are starting to see a little bit of a trend that emerges even as, you, as we look at these responses. And that trend ought to be a little bit concerning. What is the one common word that you can pick up? I, 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 me. Um, yes, lordship would be easy if it was about me. <laughs> little bit, a little bit concerning, especially when we take a little trip down uh, or back in time, and we see uh, 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 what, uh, what, what Isaiah had to say about this matter. So Isaiah explains a little bit about the fall Lucifer. And he says this, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, for you said in your heart, wait for it, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. That should strike fear into our hearts if we find that we have places of overlap With Lucifer. With Satan. It didn't land. I I, I needed it to... (laughs) So what makes it difficult to obey in today's world? So we spoke about these are the things that would make it really easy to obey. What makes it really difficult to obey... You know, when, when you study history, you recognize that human uh, 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 thinking ha, ha, has progressed, and, and, and the way that we would interact, or, or that we would make sense of the world, two filters. One, how it impacts me, and this, this was largely the Hebrew thinking of the Old Testament, how it impacts me and what I believe, what I believe about it. And, and, and we saw that there was an emergence of, of, of philosophical thinking, uh, largely from the Greek bedrock, which said how it impacts me and what I think about it. Uh, we're in a dispensation where we all, where we are, we are feelings centered. So now we process uh, things through how it impacts me and how I feel about it. So there's a, a prevalent humanistic thinking that has a, places an emphasis on self and sensory stimulation. We're all about how we feel. That's how we understand our scenarios. That's how we interpret what happens in life. That's how we interpret even our interaction with God. How it impacts me and how I feel about it. And this determines whether I'm going to have a lordship relationship with Jesus or a consultant relationship with Him. I don't quite feel like that's appropriate for me right now. So, so we'll, we'll put a pin on it, and we'll revisit to Jesus. There's grace. We pull, you know, we 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 we, we pull that card. Lord, your grace is sufficient for me to come back later. So <laughs> now. Now, I, I want us. To, I want us to look at um. To look at this parable, uh, within the context. Of, of lordship and within the context of grace. The parable of the, of the talents, Matthew 25. I'll read it on the screen and you, you, you can just follow with me. It says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each one according to his ability. Then he went away. "'Have what is yours.' "'But his master answered him, "'You wicked and slothful servant, "'you knew that I reap where I have not sown "'and gather where I have scattered no seed. "'Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, "'and at, the, at my coming I should have received "'what was my own with interest. "'So take the talent from him "'and give it to him who has the ten talents, "'for to everyone who has will more be given.' And he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to talk to you about being entrusted, about trading. About hiding and about settling accounts. When the master was about to go away, and some versions will tell you, into a far off land, or 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 for a long time he gathered his servants and entrusted to them his resources. Some of you Bible scholars are starting to connect the dots. And recognizing that the master in this picture is Jesus. Who, when he was about to depart, gathered his disciples and gave them a very specific mandate and deposited into their lives and went away for a long time. But there was, there was a, an entrusting of resources and treasure. I want you to notice that the obedience that Jesus required of His disciples, the obedience that Jesus requires of you, that kind of trust relationship requires no oversight. You see, because the grace that is imparted with the gift is not a micromanaging, it is an empowering. I know we have come to have a relationship with grace That is convenient to us. We treat grace like a get-out-of-jail-free card that we keep in our back pockets. That makes it okay to sin. Because if I get it wrong, there's grace. Makes it okay for me to walk in disobedience even to the Most High God. Because guess what? If I'm called to account, there's grace. If I live... An unfulfilled life, if I live rebellio- a, a rebellious life, whenever I am confronted with whatever I am confronted with, hey, there's grace, and I can get away with it. But do you know what? Pastor Simon taught us last week. If you didn't catch it, get the podcast. Titus 2.11. Grace, not a get-out-of-jail-free card, is an empowering. It, 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 Titus t- tells us that the grace has appeared to us. Appeared to all men and it teaches us to say no to what is a worldly lust and worldly attachment. And, and, and it teaches us how to untangle ourselves from worldly concerns and to attach ourselves to what is godly and what is righteous. Grace is, is, a, is, a, is a force. It is, it is, a, it is something that's forceful that takes you and, and, and helps you to rise up out of the miry clay. And to recognize that there is a standard, and the standard is not going to change regardless of whether I'm meeting it or not. God is not going to come and He's going to say, man, the pass rate is dismal. We had better lower the, 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 the standard. But what He will do is He releases grace. And He says, because of my grace, it's going to empower you. And if you partner with grace, you're able to rise to the standard. And so what was entrusted is entrusted to the church at large, to the body of Christ. And we know that they're, that they're a macro concern, uh, uh, that, that, that are church-wide. So, so Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them and teach them and appropriate them into the kingdom. And this is a concern that all of us carry and all of us need to be responsible towards. And none of us can pull the grace card on this one. We're all called to make disciples. And of course, there are concerns that are individual. All of you sitting here have received a deposit of identity and gift and talent and calling and purpose and perspective and a way of doing things that is unique to you that unlocks purpose. And God calls us to be trustworthy with the things that he has given us. When these treasures were given to the servants, the parable tells us that the first two immediately went about the business of trade. They got busy because they understood the heart of the master towards these concerns that he had given them. Now the thing with trade is, Trade takes time to make a profit. If you have ever been involved in any form of business, you know that in order for me to multiply what I currently have, it takes time. And it may even feel like losing initially. There's lots of room for discouragement because what I have, or what I, the little that I had, I no longer have. And, and and i want to i want to give you a, a small illustration on this now pass aside i see that you are in the business of selling seeds how much would you charge me for this particular pack 20 bucks 20 bucks you're in luck Woo! you nice. brother can keep the change nice. <laughs> Buy something nice for yourself. (laughs) I had 50 bucks. Now, I have a bunch of seeds. The issue, though, is I no longer have the 50 rand. And because I no longer have the 50, it can feel like, man, I set about trying to be faithful with the thing, the one thing that God had given me, but I no longer have it. But guess what? The reason I no longer have it is because I'm trying to be faithful with what he has given. He didn't give me what he gave me so that I could give it back to him. That's not why he gave it to me. Lordship is, Lord, you have given. And I have taken what you have given, and I have sown. And I may have started with 50, and I may have started with one bag of seed, but do you know what happens when you sow a seed? You reap a harvest. So, what I want you to be aware of in this parable is that in the kingdom, work is commendable. Work is commendable. We go about the business of being faithful with what God has given us. The angle that I'm presenting to you on lordship is not the angle of what you didn't do. Trying to get through life without cheating. Trying to get through life without stealing and murdering. Trying to get through life uh, w- w- without, without taking shortcuts so that you can get to the end of your life and go, Lord, present myself before you. I'm happy to declare that I didn't do anything bad. I'm happy to, the, to declare that for the most part, I kept to your commandments. And Jesus going, okay, but what, what, what else? That, that, that's it? But Lord, I didn't kill. I didn't steal. I didn't cheat. Yeah, but I gave you that. Is, Is that it? That's what you're bringing back? The third servant took what he had and he recognized that man, I only have this and this is all I have. So what did he do? He went and he Dug a hole. (laughs) Dug a hole. Matthew 5 says, You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The Lord is saying, I didn't give you that light, that talent, that gifting, that purpose, that identity, that perspective, so that you can hide it under the bed. It says a city, a, a, a light is like a city on a hill. It's meant to be seen. I gave you that light so you can shine. Unapologetically so and when you shine when you begin to own what's yours i come along and i bro- blow life on it and i multiply it and you partner with that grace that i'm releasing but because of our nature to self-preserve we're going man if i if i can just make it through life without taking any risks without without like trying to find the the safest Path to walk and just pa- walk that so so that you're sitting there and, and, and you and you know that there, there's there's projects there's ideas there's concepts there's things that God has put into your life that you will not embark on because they're too risky. And your aim is to show up at the end of your life with what you started with. Come on, guys. Let's talk about the settling of accounts. The master comes back in this story. In our story, in our Christian faith, in our story, the master comes back. And this is the hope that we base our entire lives on. It's the appearing of the Christ. But when he appears, there will be a settling of accounts. And so, we when the master comes the servants present themselves before him and the first servant comes along master hey you, you gave me the five you gave me the five talents here five more confident the second guy comes along master welcome back you gave me the two talents there's your two and two more the third guy comes along master welcome you gave me that talent, but I thought about it, and I realized that if you ever had somebody owe you something, and then you go and collect, and then the story starts, and you just know, yeah, there's no collection today. <laughs> I thought about it. Man, I thought, you're a hard guy. You, you reap, weed, and sow, you scatter. Feels that are yours, da-da-da-da, and I thought the best thing I could do was just to keep this so I didn't lose it. I want you to notice that the reward for the first servant who produced the ten and for the second servant who produced the four were exactly the same. Both of them were commended in the same way because you see, it's not about fruitfulness, it's about faithfulness. We compare ourselves to other people based on fruit that they are producing and get discouraged. Jesus is going, forget what fruit they're producing. Are you multiplying? Are you producing? Because when it's time for the settling of accounts, it's not going to be you produced four, you produced ten. It's going to be you multiplied, you produced, you were faithful. Now, faithfulness breeds fruitfulness. But it's not about fruitfulness, it's about faithfulness. And so how do I steward grace? I recognize that grace appears to me and it empowers me. It empowers me not just to not sin. It empowers me to make the most of the life that I've been given. It empowers me to fulfill my potential. It empowers me to be the best version of me, the version that God sees of me. It empowers me to rise up. And if I recognize that and I partner with God in that, that's stewardship of grace. The third servant had what I want to call Adam fever. Lord, the reason I didn't deliver is because of you. Remember how Adam, Adam, what did you Ah, Lord, it was this woman, that, and it, you gave her to me. And, it, you know, it's everybody else's fault except my own. Third servant was trying to find where to lay the blame. The reason I didn't deliver it's because I knew that you were this kind of guy. So implicitly, it's your fault, not mine. Blame will be insufficient at the time of the settling of accounts. I did nothing, Lord, but at least I didn't embarrass you. That's why I never prayed for anyone. Imagine if I prayed and they didn't get healed. What then? Bring your name into disrepute. Not me. That's why I never prophesied on anyone. Why, why, what happens if I get it wrong? Then I drag your name through the mud. Mm-mm, I kept your name just the way it was. That's why I never started that project or that business. Imagine if I have a business failure. What would people say about your name? That's why I never asked her for coffee, Lord, because what if she said no? Imagine the scandal, <laughs> it will be insufficient, brother. <laughs> see, his view was from a distance. I see, uh, from what I can see, you're, you're a hard guy, and this is how you transact. And this is how we sometimes relate to God, relate to God is that we, we, we relate to Him from a distance, and so we judge actions. can't get to know anyone by judging actions. In fact, we, we, we love ourselves so much because we don't judge ourselves by our actions. We judge ourselves by our motives. We judge everybody else by their actions. That one's for free. That, that might be for next week. I don't know. But um, I've I've heard heard this being said. I could never follow your God because I could never trust or submit myself to a father who would torment his son like that. Now that's an example of somebody who stands at a distance and judges their actions. That same person, if they were to get closer and to know the heart of the father, would be floored by the love when they recognized that this father was willing that his son would suffer. Why? So that his other children had an opportunity to reconnect with him and would be saved from hell and damnation. Whoa! If I don't think that I could ever please God or that He is impossible to please, then I'm likely to never try. There's two statements in there, and I don't know where you fit. first statement is self-focused. The other one is about God. If I don't think that I could ever please God, that speaks of my own ideas of insufficiency and insecurity. I don't think that I have I, I I have it in me. I don't think that I'm enough. I don't think that I'm worthy. Then I'm likely to never try and achieve anything for God. If I think that God is impossible to please, again the distant view, then I'm likely to never try to achieve anything for God. Lordship goes beyond what you don't do. Lordship comes into the realm of how you partnered and obeyed, how you received the grace that God gave you and how that empowered you and multiplied the seeds that God had given you in your life and how you have reaped a harvest that you could present before God. The grace of God comes alongside you and says, I've set you up for all success. The Bible tells us that good works have been, that good works that have been placed alongside the path in our lives and we walk in these good works. And it is the grace of God that empowers us as we come alongside these things. What is required of us is that obedience and that faithfulness. And by the way, repentance, if we identify With any of these two categories, I want you to reflect on this just for a moment. The areas in which you need to repent, and if if you identify with even just one of these, myself included, we, we, we need to repent because these speak of how we view God. These speak of our perspective on God. It's difficult to obey a God that we don't trust. Just take a moment. Consider if you're, maybe your your reasoning is not on there and and you've discussed it or you're thinking thinking through it, but consider where you're at. And Lord, would you come and would you speak to your children even as they... Ponder these things, and would you show them where they need to uproot what has been deception in their lives, and how they've perceived you, and and wh- where they need to 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 allow the seeds that you have sown to be to be watered. The, the courage and the boldness to uh, to partner with you and to and to go out and take risks and to go out and and to trade and to and to trust that. Uh, that you will come alongside them and that you will multiply their, their works and that they'll have, they'll have a harvest to present to you at the time of the settling of accounts.